0: Hey all you pollinator nerds, we're so happy you could be here. Now
1: that's what I call wordplay. This is You're Gonna Die Out There.
0: Welcome back nature nerds this is megan and jen and we're here to talk to you about weird and unfortunate events between man and nature exciting stuff good times and you might learn something you never know well, I hope you all learned something about polar bears last week.
1: I learned a lot about polar bears. And then I started Googling things and found more stuff. I actually found that article. I shared it with you about the lady mm-hmm. who jumped into the polar bear enclosure at, at the, the Berlin, Berlin Zoo. Zoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She jumped in and started swimming towards the bears. And then they just mauled her because I, I don't know what she thought was going to happen. It's uh, the Guardian. Uh, put that article out.
0: There's like a progression of photos where she's like swimming towards the bears. There's this giant bear. And then... There's a picture of her being bitten by the bear on the shoulder, and she's like, ah! You and know? then there's
1: the people trying to pull her out and the bear grabbing her and trying to pull her back in. And there's people on the other side trying to lure the bears back away from her. hmm What I read, they were like, well, no one knows why she did it. Right. But I'm thinking there has to be some mental health issues there. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. hopefully she's better. Hopefully. Now.
0: Well, and she's lucky that the bear didn't go for the head, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like, the other story that you shared with me about that guy <laughs> who when I googled on, away. Yeah, a camping trip. What
1: was, uh, what was his so name? So that was in Norway. So his name is Patrick Flinders. And he was on like an Arctic adventure camping trip with a couple of other teenage, several teenagers, and there were some guides. And they were camping out, and early in the morning, a bear came through and just, like, ravaged the whole camp, killed one of his friends sleeping in his tent, and dragged him around by his head, dragged some of the other camp leaders or camp counselors around by their head. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah really seriously wounded three, killed one, but they did shoot the bear. Right. I mean, I guess, I mean at that point, you have to do what you have to do. I mean, they need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. They got to save these kids. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And he, didn't he say the same thing that Matt Dyer had said that he could hear the bones in his head kind of like cracking?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He heard it crunching. I didn't get too far. There's a lot of articles about it. I think it happened in 2011. The, one of the camp counselors, like it broke his jaw. The other one couldn't speak for weeks that's they crazy. all needed some major reconstructive facial surgery and mm-hmm. you know yeah and his
0: picture you can see like where the teeth would have clamped down Yep, that blows my mind
1: yeah it's insane
0: but yeah i mean kind of a fun part of our polar bear story is that gene wells who is matt dyer's wife photographer and poet gene wells mm-hmm. she did comment on our post
1: i know about
0: his story just like that she's the luckiest woman in the world and then we were like oh we did Justice as dear story.
1: Yeah, I, I thought story. it was really good. I listened to another, the other one you mentioned in the Backpacker, the Out Alive.
0: Where they interview him. They
1: interview him. It's a yeah. great episode. I mean, that's a great podcast. I mm-hmm. highly recommend it. The difference is they don't really go into polar bear, you know, conservation or talk about polar bears biology in, that, in biology, stuff. yeah, so. They don't bore you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't drag <laughs> you through it all. No, but I mean, it. it's great because they interview him and they interviewed Rich Gross. He seems like a cool guy. Anyway, it's a really good episode. And
0: I love that you shared that guy from TikTok, M-N-D-I-A-Y-A underscore 97.
1: Yes. I love him.
0: It was, that's a really great little TikTok about how to survive (laughs) a polar bear attack and he's like, (laughs) just run away. (laughs) If you
1: follow us on Instagram, you would have seen that story in like four parts. It's great. But you should check him out on TikTok anyway, because he he has so many, what are they called? Talk TikToks? uh, Like how, like videos little videos i guess i guess they used to be called vines
0: back in the day oh really yeah okay because vine was like the first medium that had something that's
1: like tiktok i never partook in anything like that again not a millennial but i just know
0: about these things
1: Uh, we didn't have any corrections for anything we just saw those other stories which were interesting
0: yeah I do want to share some science news. I actually have two stories. Wow. This week. One that's kind of depressing and then one that's not depressing.
1: Okay. Well, I prefer you do the depressing one first. Okay.
0: Let's get so to let's it. So let's
1: get it out of the way. And then that way we can have a better one so we feel good yeah, about that's good. life.
0: The first one I'm just going to recall from memory. I was driving to your house this morning and i was listening to radio lab and they were talking about this thing called the kessler theory so it's about space uh-huh and uh, you know how there are satellites all around our earth Yes. Uh, there's actually like 23,000 known satellites and like things, debris, outside around the Earth, orbiting, going not around
1: 23,000 functioning satellites. They
0: might not be functioning, but they're known, their trajectories are known. And there's this whole like system of our government alerting other people's government of like, hey, our thing might collide with your thing if we're going to send off a space shuttle or something like that. Right. It's uh, So they have to know where they can shoot rockets. Off.
1: There's just so much stuff floating around. Because there's so much
0: shit out there, yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: But actually, they were saying that the estimated amount of debris around the Earth is actually more like half a million pieces and we're talking about little tiny pieces like flecks of paint. Whoa. And there's this, I guess, a picture, a photo and I forget who they, they were like interviewing this commander. It's not Space Force. So they're interviewing this military commander about uh, what's out there and she's like, yeah, you know there's actually a photo of uh, what they think was a piece of a fleck of paint that got lodged into one of the space station windows like it went through layers of window. Whoa!" yeah, I, I think it was on the space station. These things because they're traveling very quickly, uh-huh and it and you know, there's nothing stopping them because it's space. Wow. Anyway, so they were talking about this thing called the Kessler theory, and this guy, Kessler, came up with a theory wha- that, like basically there's so much shit up there and so many things that are unidentified mm-hmm. that eventually two of those things are gonna collide with each other and cause kind of a massive cloud of debris. Mm -hmm. to then collide with other things and then all the way around the earth all these things are going to collide into each other and then we're going to lose the ability to use satellites and all those things in space that like keep us functioning weather satellites data communications Ooh, i know
1: i thought you were going to say like it was going to cause some sort of asteroid to fly down to the earth and
0: i mean i'm sure there would be some kind kind of debris that would like come yeah. down but um no that's the it's just
1: what would happen up there how much tra- i mean did do is there like people threw some trash up there or is it debris from just satellite stuff or things that space missions all the above space missions like anything that you know because when rockets
0: go up there's the booster right which i think parts of it fall back down right yeah but don't, some of it doesn't some of it just like they just eject it and it just kind of floats around in space
1: i feel like this is
0: very wally absolutely so i thought that was really interesting I mean, I love Radio Lab, such a great show. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. And this guy Kessler is like, it's inevitable. Uh, We're just going to lose all of our communications abilities across the globe. And I'm like, well... Okay. All right. Whatever. I mean. (laughs) Then I don't have to check my
1: email every day. That's how my life in Peace Corps was.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the time that I use a computer with no mouse for the longest? It's like that. (laughs) Whatever. Where you had to use all
1: the, you learned all the keystrokes for everything. Yeah. Because there was no mouse. Well, it was really helpful because you knew all of them. I was like, how do you do this? You were like, it's just like, you just function F5 and it'll (laughs) do this. And I'm like, really? It's not function. It's like shift F5, alt F5. all the alts yeah all the things yeah you knew all those things it was helpful Uh, fun anyway what's the positive one yeah
0: let me give you the positive one all right so i came across this because i really love you know atlanta is kind of like my hometown Mm -hmm. and zoo atlanta i mean i'm like a huge fan of zoos but zoo atlanta is like all about helping endangered species
1: willie b willie b yeah yeah, Who got inter- you got interviewed. I got yeah. interviewed about.
0: Which you still need to provide that tape. I need to see that. My
1: dad. I need to ask him to find it. It's VHS, Megan.
0: I will buy a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, I, too bad I don't still have a VCR somewhere, you know? like Well, you
1: can anyway. take it places now and they'll put it Convert it? On, it. Th- yeah, convert it.
0: Um, okay, so Zoo Atlanta just posted some stuff about three days ago. Lauren Wilson posted this. She's the associate curator of birds at Zoo Atlanta. She says, we have an endangered lappet-faced vulture chick hatch, the first in the history of the zoo. There's a male and female lappet-faced vulture at the zoo, this couple, That they've been together for a long time. I mean, like, I forget how many years she said. Basically, okay, so the male, his name is Anubis. The female is Amana. And they've been there. Amana's been there since 2010. And Anubis has been there since 2008. Wow. They've had many, like, unsuccessful eggs. Unfertilized. I guess they kind of had to teach Anubis how to, you know, like, fertilize the egg. Do the thing. He was, he's had some issues.
1: So I take it these are highly endangered
0: yes highly endangered they have laid 12 infertile eggs over the eight years they've been together they had a third egg this breeding season and then the ornithologists go in with like a light and you know kind of shined it behind i think you
1: did that with the chickens right when you had your- uh-huh. yeah. yeah
0: and they shined it behind you can see the baby bird in there and they're like oh shit it happened you know like so exciting
1: that is so exciting i wonder how big that egg is i mean are the- right. vultures are big Vultures are big. I'm assuming yeah. these. Oh, and are they're,
0: big. are they not? Is it, they are sexually dimorphic or not sexually? Di- I can't remember. The female is bigger than the male.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah.
0: I think that's not sexually dimorphic. Right. I didn't know this, but the vulture nest can be four to eight feet wide and one to three feet deep. And the pairs mate, they like part of them staying together and being like happy is building their nest together. So uh-huh. every season, the Atlanta Zoo people go in and break down the nest, which has not been cleaned ever. I mean, it's just like super disgusting. They break it down. And then the next nesting season, they provide them little sticks and stuff. And then they build the nest back up and all of this.
1: I feel like that's the size of our podcast room.
0: I'm just going to show you a picture of mom and dad. Mom has a female lappet-faced. I know they're kind of crazy looking. They're they're just they're like ultra vultures. You know what bless, I
1: mean? Bless their little hearts. <laughs> it's like their legs. They look like they have some weird bloomers on. Yeah, they look and like they've got big red bald faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they look like the vulture from like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yes,
0: the female has this kind of like light colored beak. That's how you can tell them apart. And the male has a black colored beak.
1: Wow. Yeah, not cute. What
0: they ended up doing. Is they took the egg. Aw. I can yeah, see it's the so chick.
1: Cute. I mean... It's cuter he, as a chick. they. Yeah, but still. It just gets worse. <laughs> it looks like a turkey you'd buy at the store with that's like ex- a vulture head. Right. That's exactly what I thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they actually took the egg once they realized there was a bird. They gave the, they gave the couple a fake egg. Okay. Uh, and they took the egg and they hatched it in an incubator because they wanted to make for sure that the egg was... Like they were going to be good because these are like never been parents...
1: First time parents, first time parents, Can't be trusted. Cannot be
0: trusted. Yeah. And then they introduced the male first, and the male like did all the brooding and like feeding. I guess they they hand fed the chick for a few days, and then they brought so that they made sure that you know it had a good chance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Give it to the dad, and he was like super into it. He's like super good dad. And then they introduced the mom, and the dad was like no.
1: <laughs> the dad was like really, and he had one of those like front carriers. Yeah, he, was, he like, had I got like it. a what are those like a the- Bjorn. A, be- a baby Bjorn, but he yeah. also had one that had the, like, the built-in breastfeeding <laughs> thing. He's like, I'm going to do this. I'm the best dad ever. <sighs> best dad ever. Yeah.
0: Like seahorse dads. They They brought in the female. The dad was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like... You can't come over here. I'm imagining just like wings out, all creepy looking.
1: Just super creepy. Yeah.
0: But eventually he gave in and now they're being really good parents. Um, They haven't shown the bird to the public like at the zoo, but Mm -hmm. you can see it on their Instagram and it is it's cute in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's super cool because they're uber endangered. Yeah. And it's the first time the zoo has been able to get a baby bird. So congratulations,
1: Atlanta Zoo. Yeah. Good story. And those are my stories. I have a similar story for next week about... Vultures? It's not about vultures or space garbage, but it is about very critically endangered species coming back as babies. So I'll share that next week. That sounds great. For science news. I have a very in-depth Story. Well, Mm -hmm. I would say um, this story is not quite a story, but it is just I'm just going to like jam a lot of information at you and you're just going to eat it up. I'm really excited. You're going to lap it up like it's honey. (laughs) Oh,
0: I have a feeling we're going to talk about bees.
1: Well, you know, because I already
0: told you, but yeah. you don't know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I don't know bees. what it is. I am hoping you're going to talk about the movie My Girl at some point.
1: I, I'm not because I haven't seen that movie since it's it came <laughs> out. I don't even. Re- I remember it's like in 1990 something. It's mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin, right, when he's mm-hmm. still little and cute. So I was perusing the news as I do, you know, things pop up here and there. You know, usually you have all your news kind of pops up on your phone. And I saw this article about a 70 year old man in Texas who was attacked by bees while he was mowing his lawn. And he died. That's like the headline. That's messed up. His name was Thomas Hicks. And this just happened in April, the end of April. Oh, wow. So this happened real recent. So he went out to mow his lawn and his wife, I think it's Zoni, because it's like z-o-n-i like tony but with a z Mm. i hope i'm saying it right zoni she was going to the grocery store and i read this in a people magazine article which the link will be there so you can definitely go look at it and she said and i think they're getting this from a local news source but she said she told him honey please don't go to the back area because there's bees back there Mm -hmm. And he told her, I won't, I promise. So she went to the store, she came back, and her husband was covered from head to toe in bees. Oh, my God. And he was running, like trying to get them off. And she just said they were relentless. They just wouldn't stop. They were everywhere. They were stinging and they clung to you, like wouldn't let go. They tried going into the house, but the bees followed them into the house. And somehow she managed. I'm a little unclear on how they, I think they both were able to get into a bedroom. Uh Uh-huh. And she was able to call 911. And by the time the firefighters arrived, they were getting swarmed by bees. They had protection because they knew there was yeah. a bee swarm outside the house. But she was trying to perform CPR because her husband was already like passed out oh at this God. point. The firefighters came in. They tried CPR, got him out. They had to put take off one of their protective and put suits. it on him. put it on her actually oh. to get her out into safety and i'm not sure how it all went down but they got him out they kept trying to perform cpr did everything they could but he unfortunately died of cardiac arrest Oh, my God. There's other words for this. And I'm not sure for him if it was just straight up cardiac arrest or if it was, there's a word later. I can't like remember. Like anaphylactic shock? It's like an overvenom. Oh. Like you get too much. And it's just your system is like, can't handle. Yeah, your handle. system can't handle it. It's really sad because she's just heartbroken. They've mm-hmm. known each other since they were 10. And she, speaking of my, my girl, girl. It's like, good grief. About a month later, mm-hmm. this is last month. In May, there was another incident in Arizona. Three adults and a 13-year-old teenager were stung multiple times while they were at Sundance Park in Buckeye, and it's about 30 miles west of Phoenix. So the group was just hiking along this canal behind the park, and the, bee- the bees started swarming them. Luckily, mm. they were all okay. Nobody died. They went to the hospital and just a lot of stings, but they were okay because Man. luckily nobody was allergic. Right,
0: yeah. That's the thing, and I'll talk about that more later. So wait, may- maybe you're going to talk about this. I don't know. What if they have had 25 gotten- 25 pages of notes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm going to get to. What if they had gotten like a hose? Maybe there wasn't a chance. Or what if she'd like put them in the shower or something? You know what I mean? Like would that have done anything?
1: They don't say anything about spraying them with water. Sometimes like soapy water will work, smoke works. Right. But it definitely says not to jump in water. But yeah, I will go into that more later. okay. That's just like a nightmare. I mean, I know I say this like every
0: episode. That's a nightmare situation. It's
1: a nightmare situation. And everybody has said, especially in Arizona, is that these are what we've heard called killer bees, which are actually the Africanized uh, right. bees. Right, right, right. Yeah. Africanized honeybees. There's bees from different parts of the world. And this mm-hmm. one in particular was is from Africa. Okay. The Africanized bees made their way to Texas by 1991. And this is kind of a rundown of victims along the way the first one was jesus lopez he was documented as the first person to be stung by them he survived with 18 stings not too bad but nobody wants 18 18 stings yeah two years later lino lopez who was 82 became the first person in the u.s to be killed by africanized bees and we'll talk about it later but they came up from south america so they moved up to the southern states. So the bees reached Arizona in June of 1993, according to the University of Arizona. And they were found, they're now found in Arizona, California, Texas, Nevada, New Mexico, and Oklahoma. Ooh. I know, yikes. Before we start talking about other things, I wanted to go through some stories Because not a real, you can't really go into a survival story when you're talking about getting attacked by bees. Right. It's like either you get a mafia or you don't, or you're allergic or you're not. Right. But I will throw in some interesting stuff later. There was this article in the Phoenix News Times from 2014 that has like the top 10 worst attacks. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So in October of 95, Apache Junction resident. Mary Williams, she was 88, became the first Arizona person to die from a killer. They call them killer bee attacks. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of propaganda with killer bee, Mm -hmm. but we'll call them Africanized bees. I kind of remember... Yeah, and we'll like, kind of go yeah. into the media hype on that. So they swarmed outside of her home. Experts estimated that she was stung more than a thousand times. Oh my God. Which is about what a human can withstand. Depending on if you're allergic or not, you know, one bite could be it for an aller- a person who has an allergy. But for like someone like me that I know I'm not allergic to bees, like one sting, I just don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't really do much of anything to me. So, I mean, it doesn't even swell. In 2014, a colony of an estimated 800,000 Africanized bees in a three by eight foot nest in an attic. So they said it must have been there for like 10 years. Like it just was insane. I don't know how the owners of the home didn't know. I don't have the details, but it (laughs) killed one yard worker. It's just yard worker. Somebody must have been doing some maintenance or something around the house and critically injured another. And that was in Southern Arizona.
0: 800,000. Yeah.
1: What I did find, I kind of had to look up another article about it. And it was just like, it was insane. There's a lot of companies out there that they you call them and they, they remove yeah. hives and stuff. and But I think they do their best to try to move them somewhere else, not kill them. Our Africanized honeybees, I'm assuming they make honey. Just hold on to okay, your okay. britches yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a plan, Megan. I'm, sorry. I'm So in March of 2012, this is great. This is my favorite. So a swarm <laughs> of bees halted the spring training game between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the San Francisco Giants. I've been to some Giants games good times no one was stung but the bees chase pictured darren oliver from the mound and later he said he thought it was his hair gel that <laughs> I, to think. Oh <laughs> I love that so much
0: what was his hair gel did it say the i brand don't know or i'm anything? like what
1: kind of hair gel was that he's using some vidal Sassoon something some something, something very floral i would think i don't know right but I thought that was kind of funny. In May of 2013, Tucson climber. This one is horrific. Mm. So I don't want to make light of this story because it was really short in this article and I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton of articles about it. And, you know, feel free to look through those. They all kind of say the same thing. But this climber, Stephen Johnson, he had gone climbing with his small dog by himself in the Santa Catalina Mountains. Is that California? This is in Arizona oh, still. Oh, still in there. Okay. He had gone by himself, although he had a big group of friends and they all knew he was going and mm-hmm. everything, but he didn't show up to work the next day. Oh, no. They all went looking for him and they found him hanging off of his harness about 70 feet off the ground and he had been stung countless times and he had died from, this is what I was trying to think of earlier, mass envenomation. Oh, so basically you just get stung so much. I mean, it's like a mm-hmm. one sting, but just two thousand so stings. Yeah. yeah. And so his dog was also his small dog was also oh. found dead near him and they just buried the dog. But it took I mean, his friends are the ones that got him down. They went and found him and they did everything they could to get him down and it was like it was like tragic loss in the climbing community because I mean That's how awful. horrific. They saw the hive. He didn't know. I mean, he was just too close to it. Yeah. And so experts estimate that it's about 10 stings per body weight of what somebody could handle
0: 10 stings per pound or
1: something yeah 10 stings per pound of body weight oh wow i've I also mean, read that it's not cool, a
0: thousand but... is kind of the like the threshold can for you anybody imagine
1: getting stung a thousand times here i'm saying again <sighs> for all of our listeners i realize i say that a lot can you imagine that story kind of got to me it was just terrible in may also in may of 2013 there was a family hiking and this is the same same time uh, family hiking in what's push ridge wilderness it's also in the santa catalinas near tucson and they were swarmed there were five hikers stung including three that were stung 100 to 200 times god so a six-year-old boy was among the victims and he went into shock but they got him to the hospital in time everybody was okay and they survived oh thank god No, but I just like think of my kids. I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. Thinking of them getting stung that many times, Mm -mm. I just, no. My older daughter, but when she was two or three, Mm -hmm. we went swimming and she got stung by a jellyfish and her cries and me trying to put, luckily the lifeguard, there weren't lifeguards, but there was like security in that area off the Uh beach and they had vinegar. And put it on. And poured it. It didn't. I mean, she was just screaming. I felt so sorry for her. Oh my gosh
0: I do know that you're not supposed to pee on it though I think that's like a old wives tale when right so if your friends by start peeing on you they're just being jerks <laughs> they just <laughs> want to pee on
1: you basically yeah another swarm aggravated by unknown causes attacked three men working on a house and uh, I, I know people my dad lives in Arizona he'd probably be correcting me right now but I have Yavapai County and that was in September of 2011 it killed one injured a, um, two others Walter Cowran 65 reportedly made it as far as the neighbor's porch before he collapsed and died
0: oh my god I feel like there are in these stories that you've told so far like a lot of people over a certain age and there
1: is something to that and we are going to talk about it. Oh. We do find out later that as you get older, you can become m- allergic. Oh, like more Whereas susceptible. Whereas when you're younger, you might not be allergic. That's interesting. That's kind of like poison ivy. Oh. Growing
0: up, we used to, you know, I used to play in the backyard. There's poison ivy. I never got, not wounds, but I never got itchy from poison Rashes. ivy. Rashes. There we go. Then when I was 22, I was mowing in the backyard of this house. I walked into a whole thing of poison ivy, and I got a crazy rash. Yeah. And it was because, I guess, wh- what the doctor told me is that the more often you're exposed to that poison, the more likely... It's kind of like with mangoes, too. It's the same kind of deal with mangoes, mm-hmm. that if you eat mangoes a lot, probably become eventually allergic to mangoes. Really? You're not supposed to, like, suck on the seeds of mangoes, you know, like, mm-hmm. you but I love to do that, and whenever I eat mangoes now, I get, like, a little rash on my cheeks,
1: Another one, also same month, same year, September 2011, there was some farmers in Bisbee and they say that there was like a black cloud of bees that attacked a farm and it stung some of the people working on the farm, but also stung the pigs. It stung, oh no. it killed, the bees killed a 1,000 pound hog What? and put an 800 pound hog into a coma. Jesus. Poor pigs. And pigs but are that's sensitive. A huge pig. Oh my God. A thousand pound hog and an 800 pound hog. That's very that's, large. I mean, if you're looking at the pound per stings ratio there, that's insane. That would have had to be 10,000 stings. Or like you were saying,
0: the threshold of a thousand stings. But still, I mean, it could affect animals differently.
1: Yeah, we don't know. But
0: that sounds like a plague. I, I, like totally. a black cloud of anything
1: yes, yes just run it's like the tiktok run <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's, what, that's what when i was writing up all of this that kept playing in my head it's like if you see it you're like run, run. <laughs> and then march of 2010 there were three people that were attacked while they were walking just like in town on a sidewalk just having a stroll just having a stroll and they had to be hospitalized in critical condition and eyewitness told reporters and this is like a This is like a blip, right? Because this is like a top 10. But eyewitnesses told reporters that two of the female victims appeared to have their faces covered in bees. No, 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 no. That happened. That just makes me think Luckily, they were okay, but Nightmare. Is that like the Candyman? Nicolas Cage with the
0: thing on his head?
1: What movie is that from? I have no
0: idea. I Honestly, I have no idea.
1: Isn't there a movie about... Bees, it's the, can- the candy. The-, yeah, the Candyman was about bees, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I never watched it. I also didn't. I know you wouldn't. I, I don't know why. I, I just probably was past that phase of watching those movies. This is another sad one. Mm. I feel like bee
0: attacks, to me, may be scarier than like a polar bear attack.
1: That is why I wanted to cover bees, because... I feel like we're very conflicted, especially as a lot of, I know a lot of biologists or nature Mm -hmm. lovers listen to the show or people who just want to learn about things. We all know we need to like, save the bees protect pollinators but we feel very conflicted here they're super dangerous (laughs) yeah this is very this is hard to cope with because you're Mm. like well i love you but please don't swarm my face right Right? so let's go through all of this and then i'll kind of break it down a little because i wanted to understand and i figured our listeners would want to understand that's great yeah But I'm going through all the horrific things right now. So hang in there. So this is another terrible one. Another climber, 19. He was 19 years old. Joshua Rusa, In October of 2012, a swarm hit him and his friends as they were climbing a rock face at Camelback Mountain, which is right there in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So the bees didn't kill him directly, but because he was attacked, he fell 60 feet. Some of his friends hunkered down uh, um, at a ledge, but they were stung hundreds of times. So there was like I guess you know a TV crew like caught the whole rescue. So it also they had the helicopter lowering Phoenix firefighters dressed in bee suits along the ledge. Oh wow! So it was very they said similar to a 2004 tragedy in Peora where a school teacher named Keith Abe or Abe or A B B E I'm not sure how I to think say Abe. that Abe he fell to his death also same mountain because he was attacked by bees. Man. I mean, because, of course, you're being attacked by bees. What are you going to do? Yeah. And if you're, you're climbing, gonna freak out. it's just
0: like, you know, the first thing that people do is like wave your arms around. Yes. And, you know, limbs and stuff. Which
1: you're not supposed to do. I, I was going to say you're going to tell us what we're supposed to do. I will tell you what to do, what not to do. Perfect. Run. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep that one in mind.
0: I keep thinking about that black cloud and it. It's reminding me about you and your mom and I. I think just talked about this cicadas. Oh yeah, what thirty four years ago
1: maybe? God. I think did you talk about this? Yeah, uh, did I in an episode? I feel like you did. You talked about that your dad with the he we got went out the
0: clouds and it was like we were covered. I
1: thought that was just to your mom. Oh,
0: I don't know, but yeah. But the cicadas are
1: crazy right now in um where is it? Eastern United States. It's happening right now, right?
0: Yeah. Because it's two cycles of cicadas that come out every 17 years together. Creepy. And it's super creepy. But it's like they're not going to eat you or sting you or
1: anything. Just just, climb all over your face. They're just going to climb all over you. They're not going to swarm your face. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you cicadas for not doing that. Please never do that. An- another Tucson rock climber, Ro- Robert Mackley, was stung an estimated 1,500 times in August Jesus. of 2010 on a Mount Lemmon Crag. Another man and a woman and a toddler were also stung in the attack, but he was helping his climber partners lower to a deck on a rope and found himself... He was stuck because there was a knot Oh no. and it jammed up the whole system. And so for three hours, the bees peppered him with stings and he lived... He described fading in and out of consciousness. He thought he was going to die the whole time. For sure. Just They just kept attacking him. And later he told the New Times, this newspaper, that he counted 90 sting marks just on one hand. No. When bees sting me, it's different if it's a wasp, like a yellow jacket or something. Right. Those I get definitely, you know, like us, it gets swollen or something. Mm-hmm. But when, actually, when I was in Georgia, I was a kid and got stung by a yellow jacket. And I was like, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> but bees, when they sting me, I don't get any reaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, it hurts for a second. It's almost like certain mosquitoes, I get nothing from it. Right. So I feel like I would be that person that would just go in and out of consciousness and be stung like thousands and thousands of times when I would live and be like
0: <laughs> it was awful it's like a traumatic experience I know you know mosquitoes are so bad here mm-hmm. and I've told you about some hikes that I've been on and we have a co-worker who I don't know mosquitoes just like love her oh man and you like look over and there's like 20 of them on her face And, I I'm know. Like, and God. Get, she
1: gets like the big red welts. yeah it's terrible it's awful yeah but, I'm yeah. glad I'm glad I don't have that that's it for the tragic, horrific stories for, for right now. I'm cool. going to talk about bees I'm in general. Yes, let it. We're going to talk about bees. We'll talk about how those Africanized bees got to the U.S. The world is home to 21,000 species of bees. It's like
0: I know that insects there are more, you know, than like mammals or reptiles or yeah. whatever, but still that blows my mind.
1: It does. Yeah.
0: That's a lot of bees.
1: Cuz there aren't enough entomologists, mm-hmm. which are bug biologists. Bug yes. Just for <laughs> anyone who may not know that. Are there's just not enough of them. Mm. I feel like if you what if you have a slight interest in insects, you should become one if you want to be a biologist because Yeah. There's so many insects that aren't discovered. You could name all of them. They would all, yeah, they would be named after you.
0: We talk about this almost every episode. Yes. You could name them.
1: You would be famous forever that some random bug has your name. Right, North America alone is home to four thousand species, including bumblebees, carpenter bees, leafcutter bees. I do love carpenter bees, actually. I, I know
0: that people don't like them because they make holes in your porch and stuff. Yeah, but I love them because they're super cute.
1: I but bees are cute. They, they really are. are. I have a bazillion photos that we can <laughs> choose from, but bumblebees especially because they're just like mm-hmm. big, fat, fluffy little they just kinda cruise around your flower bed and they're just you know, they're just like, hey, I'm just living my life over here. Yeah. Just being cute. They're just floofy. Yeah. I like that one. We posted some bees when it was um bee week. Yeah. Or like, like bee appreciation week or something or day. And we posted that one where some girl kept putting her cat's face. I was
0: just about to say that they're even cuter when you put a cat face on them. We
1: have to look for her stuff and we yes. have to put some more of those pictures because I love that. It's too good. I love how I love how there's so many people out there that do so many creative yeah. creative things. I love we didn't talk about this earlier. Our <laughs> followers on Instagram are so cool. They're super cool. They're super cool, and they have the coolest photos, and they have like the coolest names, Instagram handle or whatever it's called, or your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> it was
0: so, handle like I did. Jen's making a little air quotes. I'm you know, like I don't know. I'm old.
1: Anyway, but I love everybody. And I'm so glad you're following us and send us a message. We get messages. Yeah, we've gotten some messages. And they're so cute. Anyway, back to bees. But anyway, everybody (laughs) who's listening, especially if you do follow us on Instagram, we see you. But regardless, love you.
0: Just so you know, if your thing is not private, we stalk the hell out of
1: all your photos. Oh, my God. We kind of do. Because you guys have beautiful photos. It's true. You can always send us a photo. We'll post it. So, they come in colors. So, this is we cover back. We're back to bees, everyone. Not mm-hmm. talking about our, our Instagram followers because you all do also come in beautiful colors and ranges. Of a all. beautiful, a beautiful, <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, but bees come in colors ranging from rich hues of yellow to vibrant blues and greens. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa. back up. They do, they're blue or green.
1: Yep, yep, shut yep. the front door. Well, there's 21,000 species, Megan. Sure, what did yeah. you think? They're I all gonna be like black our, and yellow.
0: Are there like magenta? Okay. So I saw a picture of a robin today. It was like a pink robin. I didn't didn't even know that robins could come in pink.
1: Well, you know what? I'm glad I've piqued your interest in bees. You can look it up. Oh, for pride month, you could have like a little rainbow. A little rainbow bee. Rainbow of bees. That would be adorable. That would be super cute. Okay. So when you talk about bees, they're not, I'm not talking about honeybees here. So 90% of native bees they're solitary they're not in hives like they're just living their life buzzing around by themselves you didn't know that i can tell by your face you did not my mind is blown they don't live in colonies they don't build hives they don't make honey or wax nor do they form swarms so about 70 percent of them nest underground oh what? and the remaining 30 percent nesting cavities or holes in wood or broken stems or in windows that they break through oh right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so most of the solitary bees they have a short life span as flying adults not like as larvae. or you know if you just take the flying when you see them like right, scooting the around your garden yeah for example there's a male mason bee that only flies for two weeks just Long oh. enough to mate, the females will live like four to six weeks.
0: Are these solitary bees also pollinators? They are pollinators,
1: um, but not they're not a hive bee like honey making, right? Kind of pollinator, hive mind. Okay, so they have their nesting site and it's mm-hmm. just really close to like their home range, like where they would go and, and pollinate, pollinate some, stuff. some stuff. Gotcha. Honey bees, on the other hand, were actually brought to north america oh they weren't here before no actually the only place where honeybees were originally found was in like southeast asia philippines in that area i i never knew that i thought they were always around so but it's actually european settlers brought them in to virginia in 1622 what yeah and by 1639 colonies of honeybees were found throughout the woods in massachusetts okay so migrating swarms That Mm -hmm. brought honeybees to Connecticut and Pennsylvania by the mid-1650s. And honeybees had swarmed their way to Michigan by 1776 and Missouri, Indiana, Iowa, Illinois by 1800. So you can see how they're kind of expanding through the U.S. So over the next 20 years or so, the bees had made their way to other states like Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and Wisconsin. And then when the Mormons, it says, arrived in Utah Mm -hmm. and the, the first bees were taken there by wagon in 1848, fun i would you want to be in the bee wagon i mean you're the guy in the bee if you like bees i mean right, i yeah. feel like i would be i would be cool with that sure sure but if you're not into bees and you're like carting around the beekeeper with all their bees you're like God damn. <laughs> it makes me really nervous
0: yeah just every bump you hit yeah you're, you're like, like shit, oh shit, please shit. they're like <laughs> getting angry
1: and so then, you know, moving through the 1800s, they reached Nevada and they were introduced to the Pacific coast. In 1853, a botanist, C.A. Shelton, used a route to introduce first honey bees into California.
0: Were they introduced because of honey? Is that what, like, what was the purpose? Is it just because they were making honey? Because, They're,
1: I- because they use the honey, because they eat honey, but they also use stuff. the beeswax to make candles. Oh, okay, okay. And they also are using them for farming. Out of the 20,000 plus or 21,000 bee species on Earth, seven are recognized as honeybees within the genus Apis. Oh, that's a really small percentage. Mm -hmm. I know. They're considered super organisms because of their complex social systems. Their hive mind? Yeah, their hive mind. A colony numbers in tens of thousands of bees, 90% of which are female workers who maintain the hive and population. So there's always a single queen who can lay Mm -hmm. eggs for several years. She's then, old as shit. Yeah, and then the male drones are responsible for fertilization. And we posted that thing that they just where they
0: just like she just like mates with them, and then they just like die. Then they're, their their little penisless bodies, yeah,
1: just falls off, and then oh they're my like. God. But that's what they live for. That's all they're it's there for.
0: Interesting
1: that they're considered a
0: super organism, and that is the way that they're made up. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're super because <laughs> it's mostly ladies taking care of business.
1: It is. It's all the ladies.
0: Side note, there's this derby team, Gotham. It's like the New York City Gotham Roller Derby. I guess the way they train is kind of like, they call it like a hive mind. I don't know if they still call it that, but it's like they won, I don't know how many championships for how many years. And it's like hive mind.
1: Nice. That was their thing. Anyway. Since they were brought to North America and other places, because obviously they were only in certain countries, do you think that they are considered an invasive species?
0: I mean, are they considered naturalized now, maybe? That's what I was thinking. Well, because now it's like everyone's trying to save the bees, and it's just, it's blowing my mind a little bit that, okay, honeybees were introduced
1: yeah, so we're also, so we're looking at like native bees versus honeybees. Right, and I'm thinking about all the times that I have seen
0: only one bee, like not a bunch of bees, mm-hmm. just one little bee roaming around, and you feel really sorry for it, but in actuality, that might have been a loner bee, you know what I mean? A native bee. A native bee, yeah, but like right. loner. I don't just
1: know. living its solitary life. Yeah,
0: just being, it was happy. Yeah. And I'm over here like, I'm so sorry, you're by yourself. He but bees really, happy. He bees. <laughs> Oh, man, this episode's going to be so good. So good. Um, I mean, I kind of am like, yeah, they're a little bit invasive. Well, okay, so they
1: can be, I guess, if they outcompete native bees for food. Right. When flowers are abundant and there's a lot of pollen for the honeybees and their wild, wilding cousins. (laughs) But... A lot of places, you know, maybe that's not the case. So the sure. farmed honeybees, because they are farmed for the most, i in mean, a lot of places, they can outcompete the native bees for food. So it makes it harder for the wild species to survive. And then, do honeybees
0: prefer uh, native plants over non-native plants, or is there anything? I don't about think
1: that? I saw anything about that. I'm mm. not sure. I know there's certain things they prefer, like milkweed, right? But I'm not sure. It didn't really say. It was saying like, and I'll get into it later, some things you can do in your own garden. Like if you have um, a garden to plant a lot of flowers around because it'll bring the bees and then they'll end up pollinating like your own garden.
0: And I, yeah, I bet something on Homegrown National Park. I saw you posted something.
1: I did. He's having a, he's having, so you can send in your native gardens or native plants. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm like, does Guam count? Because we have a (laughs) lot of native plants. In our backyard. You do. Your backyard is pretty kick-ass. It's actually. coming together. I'm sure
0: that this is, I, he probably has a lot of information on their website Yeah, about bees, pollinators at least. Yeah. I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. We love fact sheets, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about this. Oh, yeah. I saw a Britannica like, on Britannica. bees and I was like, I
0: should do this just to make you Megan like, lose her mind. Were you like, next? Or did you, are you going to read from Britannica? What is happening right now? I'm all like,
1: <clears throat> everybody get comfortable. I'm going to read some passages from Botanica real quick. <sighs> just,
0: I just got to let me just hang on. Let me like mentally
1: prepare myself <laughs> right now. No, I didn't. I just breezed past it. I considered it for like half a, a second. second. Yeah. So here's some interesting facts. And some of these I already touched on but all worker bees are female which i'm not sure if everybody knows that a bee produces a teaspoon of honey which is about five grams in her lifetime now i feel so bad about ever getting honey i know we're just like (laughs) like mixing it all in our tea we're like it's so good all the bees are just like well my whole life with like a drop of that.
0: Okay, just recently I watched that movie, Nine and a Half Weeks. Have you ever seen that? Wait a second. I was like, the I've always Mickey wanted Ro- the Mickey Rourke movie. That's
1: from like 1980. 1980- and uh, eight? I don't even know. What uh, year is that? Kim
0: Basinger. That was
1: so scandalous
0: in the day. Yeah, so I was, I don't know. It came up on like a, like, apple movies or something i was like wow i've never seen this movie oh my god and i was like wow. i feel
1: like honey has something to do with this
0: they use a lot of honey in the food scene it's a weird movie i'm I... not
1: sure if i ever saw it i feel like mickey Rourke. and then what happened mickey to Rourke him? was so beautiful
0: and, no lie he was really happened. attractive he started he went into boxing and he got the shit beat out of him Grief. like and then he got a bunch of facial surgeries done oh good lord and that is what happened to him okay, anyway you work
1: honey okay there's just they they it's
0: like a whole thing of honey <laughs> i'm like well jesus and now you think of all the bees are just like, all the just really make it for that so scene like, really god It wasn't even that great. I mean, it was a weird, it's a weird movie.
1: Yeah. Okay. So to produce a kilogram of honey, bees fly the equivalent of three times around the world in air miles. Isn't that crazy? They work so hard for us. Do they? We're such jackass. We're just like these big lumbering like, give me your honey. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, ah.
0: (laughs) Do they have like little tiny bee credit cards that they get miles
1: they <laughs> get like little <laughs> <laughs> points? They're like I'm a million dollar or million dollar. What a million mile?
0: They're just always gold or whatever. What's the highest platinum?
1: Oh, platinum? <laughs> platinum. Uh, it's a dream right there. Male bees, which are the drones.
0: I like how they're called drones. It just, you know, mindless <laughs> sex machines.
1: <laughs> uh they have bigger eyes you thought i was gonna say something else (laughs) they have bigger eyes eyes to help them find the queen bee (laughs) that's smart isn't that weird i mean she's big too and looks totally different i don't know
0: maybe they're just that good at noticing things yeah like when the queen bee gets a new haircut they're just nervous about losing their penises and dying (laughs) that's why they're all wide-eyed they're all like oh "Oh my god my dad told me about that well i guess he wouldn't have told him he wouldn't have told him he just heard Per- the hive mind.
1: <laughs> oh boy, bees mate high in the sky. So they're I like. I have the- heard about this. So they're like the what is it? The mile high? <laughs> what is that? The-
0: they're platinum and the mile high club. Mile high
1: club. That's amazing. Yeah. Do they fly as high as a mile? I'm not sure. Let me go down this list. So but afterwards the male bees lose their reproductive organs and die. So they mate high in the sky and then they're like ah, just falling. <laughs> I wonder has anyone Like it's like when you look at cartoons and things are falling and one thing falls faster, it's like they're just penis yeah. is falling and then they fall past the penis and they just like <laughs> see it happening as they're like dropping to the ground. They're like, ah. <laughs> it's like so terrible Those poor bees poor so bees.
0: do you think has anyone done any studies about if bees experience pleasure when you know how
1: would you even do that study megan know. there you go that's, like said, your...
0: that's what you know what i'm gonna become <laughs> an entomologist i'm gonna study if bees experience pleasure before they die like maybe that free fall they're from just an ecstasy. in ecstasy yeah it's like it's great.
1: I hope so for them. A queen bee can produce two thousand eggs a day. I get There you done. go, queen. Get her. Fertilized get her eggs in. become females. Unfertilized eggs become males. <laughs> with the help of pher- pheromones.
0: Wait a minute. Okay. Males are drones, mindless beings. Coming from unfertilized. Coming eggs. from unfertilized eggs. Yeah. The bees are just like like they're like robots. You guys. Yeah,
1: they're like beady, beady, beady. sorry that was some buck rogers right there (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) let's get it on and then they just die
0: and then they just die yeah and wow it's just the the male's lack substance Jen. they they're unfertilized mindless sex drones it's like a movie
1: that's blowing like a really creepy
0: movie it's like i think we need to learn something for i'm not trying to be a man
1: hater you're trying to be all like bring up some like feminist stuff i'm just saying they have a queen great we're gonna lose all of our male (laughs) listeners right now i want you guys to know i care about you i wouldn't want this to be a real thing sure no Mm. (laughs) (laughs) anyway to get more bees in your garden, grow more color, it says, because they love blue and they love clusters of plants like lavender, rosemary. There you go. Oh. I have rosemary in my yeah. No lavender though. That's nice. Rosemary is just something I haven't murdered yet. Like I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's really hardy. It's really, it's hardy. really difficult to murder. Yeah. My husband is I've mentioned this before, he's good with the plants. <laughs> I stay away. I'm just like, here, Chickens. I brought this plant. Just yeah. you make it not die. There are over twenty thousand different species of bee found on every continent except antarctica that makes sense i think it makes sense too although um a lot of the native bees like bumblebees they like colder climates oh and we'll find out later that climate change is giving them a hard time honey has been shown to have many health benefits we know this both when we it's eaten and when applied to the skin like in on uh, mickey Rourke, <laughs> kim basinger was it kim basinger yeah kim basinger oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah 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 or is it That's kim, kim Bassinger? basinger yeah well, i don't know i say basinger basinger Bessinger? Bessinger. I don't know.
1: I always said Kim Basinger. But
0: I will just also point out that she, it's like she had no eyebrows in that movie. <laughs> just, I kept staring at her face being like, God, someone pencil in some eyebrows Just on her. do something. Yeah. But she's really beautiful. She's so she extremely can, beautiful. Like, she yeah. doesn't need eyebrows. Right? They're, Seriously. They're like, whatever. That'll just make her the just most gorgeous use woman in the world. put some honey
1: <laughs> smear it on. <laughs> anyway. Um, they also say the darker the honey, the better.
0: Yeah. Actually, my son and I had a roommate from japan who Mm -hmm. i might have mentioned before they're like she's like family to us yeah and she had gotten this honey her mom sent it i think from japan and it's like it's i don't think it's raw honey but it's some kind of special honey from some kind of special bee i don't know and it's supposed to be good for you if you're sick if you have like a throat well it depends on
1: what plants are around right So different plants, it gives you kind of different, Mm -hmm. you know, you get those properties in the honey.
0: I'm usually not the kind of person who's like, oh, you know, you should definitely try this essential oil or whatever. Like I'm not that, although I do really believe in peppermint because it's just so amazing uh, for headaches. But this honey, she put it in some tea for me once when I had a sore throat and it it totally did the trick.
1: I always use honey whenever I'm sick or the kids like really you can just do a spoonful even and it really helps a Mm. lot yeah honey is amazing i also
0: put it on my skin that's why i look so young (laughs) you don't i don't (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: a lie that's a lie everybody last but not least the bee is the only social insect to be partially domesticated by humans think about it wait what it's the only social insect to be partially domesticated by humans because humans we basically used it as oh insect i was like jen dogs yeah, insects. what no insects yeah. i get it oh yeah. oh it's
0: an interesting thing you just know what think about that i have that praying mantis out on my plant. i'm She's gonna still partially domesticate um i don't think he is i think he moved on or died
1: yeah well, he was there say- for a long time how like two months did your did your wealth improve because apparently when you when they're I, around you're supposed to get more money def- i think that we started this podcast when
0: he was We're there just losing money yeah <laughs> it was a warning throwing it out the way. it was, was a warning like,
1: to stop So let's talk about threats to bees. Yes, let's do. In 2007, honeybees began disappearing. And this is, we we know this. I mean, we kind of, this is where everybody started kind of like, oh, shit. So beekeepers across the U.S. reported that adult worker bees were leaving their nests, queens, larvae, and all resources, like just up and leaving for no reason. And so these large, like, industrial, like, huge beekeeper farms, I guess, they had big losses from this. And it was what they called at the time Colony Collapse Disorder or CCD. And it brought all this attention (laughs) and importance. What? Sorry, CCD. What? That's like the same name for
0: Catholic, you know, like when you're a kid and you have to go to Sunday school. That's what it's called. CCD. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Catholic Collapse Disorder. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Colony Collapse Disorder. And so so it brought all this attention to pollinators. And that's mm-hmm. when we all started thinking more about pollinators and how it you know losing them would impact everything. Was the same
0: thing happening with... I mean, I'm assuming that they're were wild honeybees out there in colonies Were yeah. they also experiencing that or was only in these farmed bees? i think they were
1: seeing it in the farmed ones but mm-hmm. i'm not sure how well it was being documented on wild maybe colonies. they weren't getting health care <laughs> probably so the factors that contributed to honeybee colony loss or disease parasites pesticides i mean mm. you know the huge usu- winter survival rates limited floral resources fluctuations in honey market that's kind of like their own thing so this also kind of what you're bringing up it didn't it wasn't just the honeybees but it's also the at least 45 percent of europe's bumblebees were in oh. decline because of habitat fragmentation, loss of foraging plants. Mm-hmm. In North America, four species of bumblebees are in decline and one is already extinct. Jeez. And we know a lot less about the conservation status because of their, their solitary. Mm-hmm. Evidence suggests that about 50% of Eastern North American bee species are in decline. Wow. Including ground nesters, stem and cavity nesters, narrow host plant specialists, and brood parasites. And that is a big one is climate change. Right. Boo, climate change, freaking everything, right? All the stuff. Because a lot of them need colder climates. Things are, you know, in some areas, Mm -hmm. things are getting warmer, and it's pushing them into other areas. Right. Um, There's also habitat loss, fragmentation. Everyone just having uh, grass for a yard? Yes, yes. Invasive plants and bees, other bees, Uh like honeybees coming in. Um, Low genetic diversity, pathogens spread by commercially managed bees. Mm. and pesticides because people are just spraying shit all over their yard lame yeah so i really feel like the homegrown homegrown national park Yep, yeah, homegrown yeah. national park yeah that's yeah. The, he has the coolest stuff ever so now my dear listeners <laughs> i'm gonna talk about the killer bees so the africanized honey bees got this label of killer bees and it's kind of sensationalized there was mm-hmm. a movie in the 70s called swarmed or swarm or something or is it just like swarm with an exclamation point i think i remember seeing something it's like at a time when they would have all these movies about like all the remember the tarantula movie did you ever see it's like i remember being a really little kid and seeing it on tv like bits and pieces of it and being like nope 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 there is this
0: movie that Mystery Science Theater 3000 did and it's about a spider I think it's called Spider Island. Right. There there's and it a lot is hilarious.
1: Yes. So this would be like one of those like mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you're talking about
0: the the bees the issues with pollinators declining? Yeah. The collapse. I feel like there were a lot of movies around that time uh, that came out where it was like the you know, plants were killing people or the world, you know, like apocalyptic style Mm -hmm. movies were kind of
1: coming out around then. Yeah. But I'm thinking in the 70s, they weren't even in North America yet. Right. They were maybe just like, what if a bunch of bees swarmed you? Ah." Africanized honeybees are subspecies of a honeybee, which is Apis Mm -hmm. mellifera, commonly called the European honeybee. So that's the one that we think of. And they're kind of chill. Like those are the ones everybody, they're like a pretty... Low key. Everybody wants to have a hive of them in their backyard yeah. now. Low yeah, key yeah. bee. And then there's there's also, just so you know, there's a Italian bee. Hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> yeah, there's some other bees. There's a dark bee of Northern Europe that was brought to North America in that, the one I told you earlier, like when they were in the colonial times, the colonial days. Mm-hmm. So the Africanized honeybees are the result of once brought from Africa to Brazil in the 1950s. And they did this because they were trying to breed a better bee that could be adapted to a tropical climate because it was where it came from in Africa was a really warm climate mm-hmm. and they were very like hardy and uh, produced a lot of honey. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, well, this is great. We should bring it over and try and made it with a Brazilian bee. Yeah, we'll try to made it with the European honeybee so it could be better adapted to the climate. OK, because the ones they had weren't doing so well with like the really tropical, like hot weather. So these bees came, were reached Brazilian wild. So they got out a laboratory kind of like testing, bringing them there, seeing how it goes. They spread south and then north until they reached the U.S. in 1990. It's crazy, right? I feel like i never knew that. Yeah. Their origin story. Yeah. That's why I'm telling you because I feel like a lot of people, I didn't know all of this. It's like a comic book. There should be a comic book about this. Yeah. It. Well, just maybe that was the movie bees. in the 70s, but it just hadn't reached the U.S. yet. Yeah. So African ice and European honeybees are almost identical. So just so mm. you know, They look the same. The sting is the same. Mm -hmm. They defend themselves from this. They can only sting once. They have the same venom. Mm -hmm. They pollinate flowers and they produce honey and wax.
0: So what's the difference then?
1: The difference is, is that Africanized honeybees are way more aggressive they'll cut
0: it they'll cut a bitch
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) they will they're way more uh, i'll kind of get into it but they're just way more like uh resourceful and hardy (laughs) like they can handle a lot more so they can live just about anywhere that they can find shelter Mm -hmm. so that means they're more likely found in like trees inside of buildings drain pipes anywhere like abandoned appliances piles of junk remember the one was in the attic holes in the ground i mean it's crazy they respond more quickly and more bees will sting so they're just way more aggro they can sense threat from people or animals 50 feet or more from their nest they're like hive mind on myth yes they're just like super into it so they sense vibrations Hence, the guy mowing the lawn oh, from a hundred feet or more. So it could be a hundred feet away. Like, how would you even think he was just mowing his yard, thinking the bees are like way the hell over there? Yeah. And then bees were just like, what,
0: what? And this is a good time to talk about. Everyone should just buy one of those uh, blade mowers. <laughs> it's just, it's just push just, mowers. Just a push mower. Yeah. Uh, I actually did get one of those trying to be like more environmentally conscious, right? It's
1: really hard. <laughs> it's super hard. Yeah, they can pursue a perceived enemy a quarter of a mile or more. That part where I was like, run. Right. You, you, you got to run because they can chase you for a quarter of a mile. Uh, so Megan. Oh, no. Now you know
0: why I keep running. I can't. I'm just going to have to wear my skates all the time. I would just run
1: like hell and be like, thank God. I, I would can definitely
0: run. just be i would i mean i'm not fast
1: or anything but i'm hoping i would just keep running Mm -hmm. like for miles i would run for miles and miles until i just like passed out on the ground and hopefully the bees didn't catch me (laughs) they also swarm frequently to establish new nests and they can nest in smaller cavities and sheltered areas and they also can move their entire colony more quickly like they're just way more resourceful like they just get it done they whereas use, the european honeybee is right. like they're just like more chill they're like, chilling like, out like come on whatever guys. they
0: definitely sound more invasive than the european yeah, they honeybee. are yeah yeah because like, they have those tendencies of like colonizing areas really quickly well and, and they're also
1: taking over the european honeybee right. colonies but and they, they're almost impossible to tell apart so wait, can you farm Africanized honeybees? Yes. And I'm gonna get into it because in South America they are purposely farming them because they're way more productive. Right. I was gonna say they sound like yeah they're just so like, it's like up more learning. It's more learning about how to manage them. Mm-hmm. But in the wild it can be real scary because they're easily aggravated. Did, were there any like
0: things that you read about if bee decline happening in the U.S. if that was uh maybe because of these issues with Africanized honeybees like people were just like killing everything because they didn't know what
1: because is like people getting rid of bees because they don't yeah, know because there is sure. there there was some discussion about and this was from i have to look at it again to see what side it was it was from a company who goes out and removes colonies mm-hmm. or removes nests hives i mean and um he was saying that a lot of bee swarms or swarming bees are be- getting blamed on the african ice, but it's not mm-hmm. always that right a lot of times it's just you know your regular honeybee and they can sting you and they can you know yeah. get all aggro too but it's not as easy as it is to stir up these sure. otherness, let's talk about the guy who brought the africanized bee over to brazil i bet everyone loves him actually he has got a real bad rap but he's a pretty freaking cool guy that's cool yeah his name is dr warwick i won't try to say his middle name but his last name is kerr dr kerr so warwick kerr was born in sao paulo brazil in 1922 middle class family scottish and american roots Mm. he received his degree in agricultural engineering and then he started specializing in genetics he's like a super smart guy he worked as an entomologist for like decades Mm -hmm. he kind of reminds me of your snake guy or actually not him there's another guy i'm gonna talk about later that reminds me of your snake guy the one that documented his death
0: are you talking about carl p schmidt
1: yes i mean this guy was really into it his research included genetics of honeybees and native brazilian bees he did his postdoc at the University of California Davis in 1951 and at Columbia University in New York. Oh, wow. With some renowned evolutionary biologists that I've never heard of. One of his influential papers was experimental studies on the distribution of gene frequencies in very small populations of Drosoph- Drosophila. Drosophila? Okay. Yes, fruit flies. Fruit flies. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> anyway, he was one of the original people that started the research in 1954 and was the first to deal with field of genetics and statistics using mm-hmm. fruit flies. He published 620 research papers Shh, in his 60-year pro- career. productive. He's super productive. Man. So, you know, he's like the real deal. I mean, I know we're like the real deal, too. Well, well
0: yeah, but he's like more esoteric to science. I'm kidding. We're he... not the real deal? What are you trying to say, Jen?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think I... Uh, I'm a hundred percent
0: the real deal over here.
1: He was a director for the National Institute for Research in the Amazon and worked um, at the University of Sao Paulo. So he was responsible for the study of genetics in Brazil. Like the the government was like, you are going to figure out how to make our honeybees like more productive to improve our agriculture. He started right? out with like really tiny whips. <laughs> He's like, do it. So he thought he would bring this Africanized genetic stock to South America. And this was in 1956. And when you think about it today, importing like species from somewhere else is like not, we know like we just don't do that. But back in the 50s, he really knew his shit. He was like, okay, all the honeybees were imported anyway to the Americas. It's not like they are native to there. And also he was not introducing a new species. This was like a subspecies. Right. So it's still an apis. It's like a safe bet. He's making a safe genetic bet. It was a cousin. They're like first cousins. They're like first cousins. That's
0: dirty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, he was like, I'm just bringing, he brought a few queens over. He's like, come on, queens, let's Let's go. go. So he had 26 queen bees from Tanzania. The person who wrote this article about him was like, it's kind of like if you were bringing Clydesdales long after Arabians and Morgan, like different horse breeds were already established. It's kind of like just bringing another. Right.
0: Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. You know, what's funny is when you were mentioning that, that w- when you were first saying like they were mated with a uh, European honeybee, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's a lot of bees they brought over. I don't know why I didn't think like, oh, just bring the one queen. You thought like, you were thinking, like hives. Dum dum. Yeah. I was thinking like, wow, that's a lot of so, bees.
1: So yeah, no, he just brought those 26 queens. And he was like, I just, what his goal was is he wanted to improve the non-tropical honeybees which the farmers were using Mm -hmm. in Brazil. And he assumed that the tropical genetic stock would be more successful in their, you know, where he was at. I mean, makes perfect sense. It makes total sense. He's a smart guy. So somehow... He got a bad reputation because a lot of people like blame him like you're the way reason killer bees and this and that. But it was kind of hyped up because from the Brazilian government, because at the time there was like a lot of stuff going on.
0: Wait a minute. The Brazilian government was like, please do this. And by the way, we hate you because you did this. So
1: although he was asked him to develop this better be, I guess, Mm -hmm. for farmers, the military dictatorship Mm. didn't like his stance on civil rights.
0: Oh, so it's like he got thrown under the bus because of his own personal beliefs. Yeah. So in
1: 1964, he was actually thrown in jail because he publicly fought back on government corruption. I am not, and I know you're not either because we just talked about it between ourselves, we're not really up to date on what was happening in Brazil at the time. Right. Right. But it sounds like it's not good. Mm -hmm. And in 1969, he was arrested again for protesting the Brazilian soldiers that had raped and tortured a nun and went unpunished. What the fuck? Yeah. Because this nun was an activist. They took her. I kind of read a little bit about that and kept her for a while and tortured her. And so he fought back. He sounds like freaking awesome guy he like does. he does actually he I'm... was just like you know this isn't okay he really tried to stand up for what was right and got thrown in jail twice and then they just were like you're a pariah right and you're the one that let the these bees go but it wasn't him jen i feel like you're kind of changing my mind on killer bees right now i'm going to by the end of this nobody really looked into it in the western government they didn't investigate the reason that the brazilian government's like why they dismissed him mm-hmm. and tried to like trash him Because he was way qualified, doing really good work. Yeah. They believe that what happened is there was another visiting biologist or researcher that came in and saw that the queens were held behind some screen because they weren't supposed to be let out. Released, yeah. And removed these. I can't remember what they're called. Beekeepers will know. Oh, those things that are like in between. Yeah. And they they had so the queens and they pulled those out and that let the queens go and the bees kind of swarmed out of that area. And that's how they got loose. So it, was so like it some, wasn't Dr. Kerr.
0: It was some random intern. Yeah, I worked like, with those interns. just got his and you're like,
1: bachelor's. What this- <laughs> and he's like, hey, why do we have these here? He's like, what <laughs> is this for? And he pulls it out and they all like fly They're away. they like, bye. That's basically how it went down. Oh my God. Yeah. Who's that guy? I know, right? What they found though, was that during this process their honeybee production went from like 15 percent to like some i forgot to put it in here it's like 80 percent it like increased insanely yeah so what he did worked and the bees were actually successful and now Mm. in till today bee farmers in south america they use the Africanized because honey they're beef. more productive. Because they're way more productive, it just you just need to know how to manage them.
0: Well, also, yeah, I feel like a lot of produce and stuff, fruit,
1: mm-hmm. comes almonds, from- hundred percent yes. rely on bees a lot of the orchards i used to go to some of the orchards when i was doing work in california and like Mm -hmm. looking at whatever environmental things that's when i kind of learned about it that they Mm. actually have bee farmers that bring bee boxes and put them around the orchards to pollinate things and then they take them out and bring some it's so cool they're part of the system an important part Mm. of the system one thing that i bet you don't know is that every insect you've ever been stung by was a female did you know that
0: i only knew that about mosquitoes
1: no, every insect. That's because every? male insects have no stingers.
0: They only have dicks that fall off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> man, sucks to be a male insect.
0: Dude, or they get their heads bitten off. Mm-hmm. Oh man. What So stingers evolved
1: from female reproductive organs called the ova ovip- ovip- Help me with it. Ovipositor? Ovipositor. A depositing ovid. Thank you. Is that Okay, that's how you say it. Yeah. Ovipositor. So, which you can think of simply as the egg-laying tube.
0: Right. Did stingers evolve from the need to protect their ability to reproduce? Is that why they get the stingers?
1: I don't know if it's just part of their that egg laying tube and then it's part of the protective mechanism to protect those eggs. But I
0: know mosquitoes when they bite the female mosquitoes when they bite you, isn't it for because you know, they need the blood to feed their babies, their mosquitoes. I'm not sure. I didn't stu- I didn't research mosquitoes. Oh. We should, though, since they're the number one. God, we should do an episode on mosquitoes. I mean, yeah. has anyone died from... Well, I mean, diseases. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you better cut that out.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, like, like, from being stung so many times by mosquitoes. <laughs> Just- Never mind. <laughs> Let's move on. This okay. is really kind of a crazy porn thing I'm about to say. What was the movie you watched? Was it Nine and a Half Weeks? Nine and a half weeks, yeah. This is some nine and a half weeks shit right here. Okay, let's hear You it. ready? I'm ready. In some species, the males do have hardened, thorn-like <laughs> genitalia that what? they jab into attackers. <laughs> but that's just a ruse, Megan. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. The difference is like getting t- jabbed with a dull thumbtack. <laughs> Versus a hypodermic needle full of neurotoxin. Wait,
0: so the males are I didn't like write that myself. The males are like, I also have a stinger, but
1: they're really just kind of like. Look, guys, I have all the links for all this. They're just jabbing people with their, and it apparently it's just like a dull thumbtack. <laughs> oh my god, like they're trying, but it's just to make them look tough. But, but it doesn't. It, there's no venom. It's not a real stinger.
0: I mean, I've stepped on a thumbtack before, and that does not feel good. No,
1: man exactly let's talk about the venom because this is how people die honeybee venom but it's mm-hmm. also something that they're finding to be very useful in the world of medicine.
0: I have heard about this. Mm-hmm. And I also have heard about people who sting themselves. They buy bees mm-hmm. and sting themselves because they have some kind of autoimmune disease or something. I, th- yeah, I, yeah. They're
1: finding that it like can kill bad cells. Right. That's a really very basic reason. <laughs> I so, like
0: it. So it's kind of like chemotherapy. Yeah. Except chemotherapy kills everything.
1: Yeah. So bee venom is mostly water, like 88% water hmm. because it's water soluble. That's how when we get stung, it works really well uh, Okay. because of we're we're moisty. It's also odorless. It has a pH of 4.5 to 5.5. Interesting. Makes it slightly acidic. Fun. It's on the acidic side. So that's why some home remedies advise using like baking soda paste. When you get a sting to neutralize it. Oh, okay, it, yeah. If you heard sense. that before. Um, but they, uh, sci- scientists say, you know, all the scientists, excuse mm-hmm. me, I'm a scientist, <laughs> that they doubt the effectiveness of such topical treatments. Well, yeah. I, because the venom is injected into the skin, my dear poor souls. Right. Is, it's you, not, you're not gonna, on the skin. You're not going to put a
0: topical thing and it's going to, yeah. Look, we everyone, can... <laughs> I'm a scientist.
1: <laughs> so the allergen in bee venom that causes the pain okay and also the anaphylactic shock yes it's yeah. called m-e-l-i-t-t-i-n melaton they say it is by far the most abundant ingredient in bee venom 50 percent of the the venom dry weight comes from melaton so that's what causes the red blood blood cells at the sting site to burst and the blood vessels to expand which is why it gets swollen and red right. and all that stuff so the blood vessel expansion is why some people have a dangerous drop in blood pressure after bee stings. And that mm. is also, the melatonin is, it's not the only ingredient in bee venom that causes pain. There's also this phospholipase A2. It's another protein that works with melatonin to destroy cell membranes at the sting site. And that makes up 12% of the venom, causing the pain and inflammation. So once a bee stings you, your body chemistry does this thing to combat the toxins, mm-hmm. and your immune system considers the unknown proteins to be a, a bee venom to be invaders, and it makes antibodies. Uh, See where we're going here? Oh yeah. So the job of the antibodies is to strengthen the immune system from future attack. But unfortunately, some people get an overly sensitive immune response. And so about 5% of the population bee stings are life-threatening.
0: It's basically your body's killing you.
1: Yes, thinking it's just going to attack that. So two out of every 1,000 people are at risk of anaphylaxis from a bee sting. And it can occur within seconds to minutes. That's why you need to have a epipen. Carry them with you. And it's scary when you have kids. You don't know. Beekeepers who are prone to other allergies have a greater risk of developing an allergic reaction. Like you mm. can develop it over time. And that's right. one thing I was telling you that they have found in studies that some people that as they got older developed an allergy to it. Right. Which is so weird. But yeah, we talked about that. That was supposed to come Mm. up here, but you brought it up earlier. I'm sorry. It's okay. Most adults without any allergies can tolerate about 10 stings per pound of body weight. Is that what we talked about?
0: Yes, you did say that. 10 stings per one pound of body weight. Mm -hmm.
1: When you have multiple stings, you need to go to the doctor because your kidneys might need to be monitored. Oh,
0: like regardless.
1: Yes. Interesting. Regardless. I
0: didn't even think about
1: it. That makes sense mm-hmm.
0: because your body is
1: processing toxins. And there's cell
0: tissue damage.
1: Right. So oh. the kidney's job is to eliminate the damaged tissue right. mm-hmm. and multiple stings that might be too much and cause your kidneys to like overprocess. Jesus. It's crazy, right? That is crazy. The kidneys can clog and fail days after an extreme stinging event. That's scary. It's very scary. Here's something that's really interesting. I literally have one sentence about it, but there's like a lot of research on this that scientists Mm -hmm. have found that there's that the active component in honeybee venom the -hmm. melaton rapidly kills two types of very difficult to treat breast cancer cells oh what bees are amazing anyway so they're starting to like look into that so there's this man who Mm -hmm. is freaking cool like dr kerr was awesome guy Mm -hmm. he passed in 2018 he lived in well into his 90s wow mid to late 90s yeah so this guy dr justin schmidt he's an entomologist and insect behaviorist at the tucson base southwest biological institute and he wrote a book in 2016 called the sting of the wild (laughs) and it is on audible and i'm so totally gonna listen to it i wish i had found it before this he basically gets intentionally stung by all kinds of insects and then he rates the stings on a scale from one to four He has been stung more than a thousand times by nearly a hundred different insect species, all in the name of science, my friends.
0: Is he related to Carl P. Schmidt?
1: That's what I'm saying. He reminds That's me. That's crazy. It's crazy, right? Yeah. But anyway, the book he, got like, really good reviews. It in a thing. So he has the whole scale and I have it. Um, like I have like an image of it. Yeah. But I'm gonna talk about it, but because the way he describes things, like people who have written about like book reviews say that mm-hmm. he describes it like he's talking about like wine, like doing <laughs> wine reviews. <laughs> He sounds hilarious and quirky and yeah. he's super smart. And Does he sting himself in the same place every time? You know, I don't know. So there's a lot I don't know about it. But I right. want to kind of just briefly go over his pain scale. And we'll see where the honeybees yeah. fit. Yeah. So pain level one. Some of the insect's stings that he considers to be at pain level one include the southern fire ant, mm. the graceful twig ant, the western paper wasp, urban digger bee, and most like small bees. Got you. Small things. Yeah. So the duration of the pain is like five minutes. Like minimal. Or less. Yeah. Yeah. Since many of the small bees are categorized in pain level one, during this pain level one, the feeling is like slight and he describes it as almost pleasant. Like a lover just bit your your lobe a little too hard. So he describes the sting of a sweat bee as light, almost fruity. Oh, sweat bees. Wait, fruity. a (laughs) A tiny spark. A tiny spark has singed a single hair on your arm. That's accurate. I love this guy so much. Okay, let's
0: but why is it fruity? Like, does he I don't smell know. fruit? I'm confused. I don't know because
1: it's just you know slightly kind of like pleasant in a slightly painful way.
0: That's weird. <laughs> is this guy into something? I, I don't mean, know. we keep no, talking about nine and, and half a half weeks. We have a picture maybe. of him. Yeah. I know this
1: whole thing. Like, you know, Well, What's the birds happening? and the bees. Well, oh <laughs> <laughs> man, this is yeah. That's yeah, funny. we're getting there. The pain level two. Now we're okay, taking it up a notch. Here we go. Pain level two. Pain level two. That would be the sting of the Western honeybee. Like our honeybee. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So also a variety of wasps, bees, ants. What? So
0: like when your kid comes running up to you and they're like, I just got stuck by me. It hurts so much. You're like, that's pain level two. Shut the hell up.
1: That's pain level two. You're fine. <laughs> on, you're back fine. Outside. Get back outside. So this would include yellow jackets, which, ouch. Oh, hurt. what? The trap jaw ant, which I don't know what that is, but sounds pretty messed up. I mean, he went all over the world. So these are all kinds of insects. Do you remember those black ants? Yes. I I got bit by one like last week. And
0: you can hear the clicking? It was clicking
1: to my leg. I was like, yeah, 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 I don't. It was terrible.
0: God, those are the worst.
1: Yeah. There's also the bald-faced hornet. Anyway, not sure. Sounds bad. A bald-faced hornet. Hornet? Yeah, I don't want it. Is this like a murder hornet? Which, by the way, I didn't research murder hornet. That's fine. That's another episode. Mm-hmm. So the duration of the pain of the stings at this level is generally between five to ten minutes long. He describes it as feeling as the debilitating pain of a migraine contained in the tip of your finger. But he said, on the contrary, a yellow jacket sting was described as being hot and smoky, almost irreverent. <laughs>
0: reverend? Who love- is this guy? He said,
1: "Imagine W. C. Fields extinguishing a cigar on your tongue."
0: Specifically, W. C. Fields. That's mm-hmm. that's great.
1: I love him. I want to. I really want to read this book or listen to it or whatever.
0: Did it say anything about him doing like an average number of stings? Like, is, is he only getting like one yellow jacket and he's like stinging? He's like I, like okay, I this- said,
1: I don't know like how many times and where, but I'm sure right. there is some sort of like scientific. Maybe he's just stinging. His I'm tongue. sure there's some methodology to this. So maybe that- that's why he's talking about he taste he is a scientist no he's not stinging his tongue no who would do that <laughs> he did it on accident i read something about that that he did like drink a soda and, and there had, was a b there yeah there was a b so pain level three
0: how high does a pain level go
1: four there's four oh, okay, okay only okay. four
0: i keep thinking there's like 10 i'm like dang no no okay no.
1: there's four All but right. he almost made a five because of one, I'll talk about. Okay, okay. Okay, most insects that are characterized as having a pain level three are wasps, including the neotropical red paper wasp. Ugh. It sounds owie. The red headed paper wasp. Also, no. The Klug's velvet ant, which is a wingless wasp. Oh, and not a true ant.
0: Velvet ants. They're yeah. in Georgia. Yeah, uh, they look super cool and they're very
1: velvety and they're kind of big. You don't want to get bit by ones, pain level three. Oh. that's hurting I never have there were they and so cool. this one the duration of the sting pain can range anywhere from one minute such as the sting of a red paper wasp to a half an hour such as the sting of the red felt or the velvet ant oh so let's see what he says about this one uh smooth <laughs> <laughs> so he considered the sting of the maricopa harvester ant as pain level three and he talked about it as... After 8 unrelenting hours of drilling into that ingrown toenail, you find the drill wedged into the toe.
0: I feel pain from that description.
1: I feel that a lot of pain from sounds that. Sounds
0: awful. There's
1: still a level up from that. Jeez. Pain level 4 is the highest level in the Schmidt, the Schmidt, Schmidt. We, Schmidt. Yeah, that's oh. what I'm saying. Are they related? Oh, my God. It took me like all the way until now to <laughs> figure that I forgot his name. I'm like, yeah, yeah, snake guy. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> so we should, we should check. We should. Pain level four, highest level of the Schmidt sting pain index. Um, his original index rated only one such example, the sting of the bullet ant as a four. But now he has described the sting. So that sting was... Pure, intense, brilliant pain like walking over flames, flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail embedded in your heel. Jesus. So the bullet ant, their venom primarily contains of a ponera toxin. I don't know. It's a paralyzing neurotoxin peptide. Oh, wow. And
0: they're shot out of a gun. That's why it hurts so much, right?
1: Yes. He also, (laughs) yeah, because that's what was that, the bullet ant. I'm going to talk a bit about those in a second, but listen to this. He later gave the sting of the tarantula hawk which I looked it up. It's a spider wasp that preys on tarantulas, the rating of a four, which he described as blinding, fierce, and shockingly electric. But it only lasts for like five minutes. I have a picture of a tarantula hawk that I just was like, maybe we should show people because yes. it is... They kill tarantulas. And it's a, it's, it's a wasp.
0: Do they like fly off with the tarantulas in the sky? God, that would be so frightening. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, just like you look up and there's a tarantula is the movie. flying. Yeah.
1: So you think after all this pain... The stings would start to feel the same. But he says that, no, the holy grail of the stinging insects is definitely the bullet ant. And he said that if he could make a five on the scale just for that one and Mm. nothing else, it would be that. So I have a real quick just side note about bullet ants because I was like, what the hell's up with the bullet ant? I want to make sure they're not where I'm at or that I never go where there is a bullet ant. What are you looking up? Tarantula hawk. I just want to see a picture of it. Oh, my God, it's so big. It's so big. Well, they eat, they kill tarantulas. I'm going to have a nightmare about this. Yeah. Let me just tell you about bullet ants. Okay. Because just like you said, they're called bullet ants because their sting feels like getting shot with a bullet, according to those who have been stung by them. Oh my God. Want to know where they are so you can stay far, far away? Yes. Okay. They're in the rainforest from spanning from Nicaragua to paraguay
0: you're about to be like in guam
1: there's they've been found in guam i'm like i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> on the next flight so they nest in trees, shrubs and the in the ground oh no so that's kind of like everywhere they
0: could like fall on you they're
1: everywhere no. they're like well wait they're on the ground wait they're in the shrubs wait they're up in the trees so you're just like effed it stretches to almost one and a half inches an ant one and a half inches like hold your fingers say one and a half inch and only a few of them are needed to take down a grown-ass human The sting contains a neurotoxin and it's located on the ant's abdomen. A single sting from one of these pests can leave a person in agony for up to eight hours and is described as intense and and lasting burning sensation. So
0: if you get stung by four of them, are you just going to die?
1: I'm not sure. It it says that they can Uh, take take you you down. down. Yeah. Sounds like it. Can you imagine like almost two inch ants like taking you down? I'm like, just make it end. Do they
0: mean taking you like that you just fall? It's like a... If it's a
1: neurotoxin, I would imagine enough of it. Just like the bee stings, like too much of it would kill you. There's this indigenous tribe in the Amazon rainforest called the Sater Mawe, and they use the bullet ant as an initiation ritual. This is where you don't want to be a dude. So it's like when the boy is going to become a warrior, he has to use the bullet ant stings intentionally. The tribe carries out this initiation by weaving hundreds of bullet ants, stingers facing in into a glove made out of leaves. So maybe it doesn't kill you. Like a torture device? It seems like it. The boy has to put his hand in this
0: glove. Is it like one glove they make for the whole tribe? And or And it's like it has to fit everybody's hand? I don't know.
1: So they place the glove over his hand and completes his ritual by enduring 10 full minutes. And the initiation is only complete when the boy goes through a total of 20 rituals.
0: Jesus. Does everyone have tiny hands there? Like that sounds awful. Why?
1: Why would you do that? Who even thought that up?
0: Again, honeybees have males as drones, sex drones.
1: (laughs) I'm just... (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. Dr. Schmidt, the Dr. Schmidt of stings, Mm -hmm. not of snakes. The entomologist, not herpetologist. Yes. So he also gave... I read a couple of different articles. One was how to avoid being attacked. And one was what to do if you get attacked. And both articles totally different from different sources, which are in our links, but they were both quoting him. So he's like the guy. Oh, he's he's it. He's it. He's like the guy. I mean, he's in Arizona. Right, right. So I think he I mean, he studies this quite a bit. All the things. And he is the one that will tell you what to do what not to do. So let's go over it real quick. What's his first name again? Sorry. Justin. So here it is, listeners and Megan. What to do? <laughs> what to do to avoid being attacked? Are you ready? Ready. Wear light-colored clothing. Just bring out those pastels, girls and boys. But
0: Jen, I wear black because it's slimming.
1: <laughs> no, Megan it could kill you honeybees have evolved to recognize threats from predators like bears and honey badgers and other dark furred mammals so also avoid the color red because bees hate it (sighs) because that looks black to bees they can't tell the difference
0: they're colorblind well or they
1: like blue oh okay because flowers yeah 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 yeah, 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 right right the other thing is and this seems pretty obvious but never approach or disturb a nest Yes. Listen.
0: I mean, sometimes that's unavoidable. I guess. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, of course. But like, also, again, my girl. If you're repelling down the side of a mountain, how would you know?
0: Right. Oh, I take it back because my girl, he was like messing with it. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, he was. He was that was like in the
1: 1900s. If you notice bees entering or exiting like a rock crev- crevice, crevasse, a crevasse, or a hole in the ground, tree cavity, assume that there is a nest. And leave the area immediately. Just get the hell out. Run. (laughs) Pay attention to their behavior. If a bee flies into you or begins to swarm around you, they're trying to get you to go away. So just, just remember, bees don't want to sting you. So they will warn you they will give you all kinds of warnings to get away one thing that will really piss them off and make them swarm is if you swat at them oh it's kind of an automatic reaction from a lot of people but it Mm -hmm. will heighten the situation real quick and that's when they're going to swarm so don't swat just run (laughs) (laughs) just get the hell out run away and the next one if you accidentally do disturb a nest run immediately Try to get to an enclosed shelter, like get to your car okay. if you can, or run until they stop following you. Just don't stop running oh if you God. can't find a shelter. This is where you need to start jogging with me, Megan. <sighs> Sometimes, like they said, they can run a quarter mile or more from where they, from where like their hive or the attack began. So, if you can, cover your face. You can, with your mm-hmm. shirt, whatever, um, without impairing your vision to <laughs> know, like covering your face and then just run into a pole and oh, God. It's just, that would be yeah, real bad. That's unfortunate. So make sure you can still see. Never, ever, ever jump into a body of water to escape from bees because they'll wait for you, Megan.
0: Oh, like you'll just you're either gonna die via. Bee sting or drowning. Yes, oh, I guess my dear
1: listener, never jump into a. But can you get water. like
0: a little reed, you know, thing and just breathe no. out of it? Or they They'll wait climb for you. <laughs>
1: they will wait for you forever. Dr. Schmidt points to a case in which a swarm of bees hovered for hours over a man in a lake, stinging him whenever he came up for air. Oh God! He survived only because the bees returned to their hive after sunset.
0: Jesus! And then the next morning, they just went straight back to the lake.
1: They're like, "Is he still there?" Okay. So now we know like how to avoid it Mm -hmm. if possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens if you are being attacked?
0: And you, yeah, you're just like walking in the woods. You don't even know it. Yes. You don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: So according to Dr. Schmidt, Schmidt, if a bee bumps into you, this is kind of a repeat. It's not an accident. Run. (laughs) If a colony of bee thinks you're a predator, it'll send out a few guard bees to warn you with head butting. According to the U.S. Department of Interior, the National Park Service, if you feel a headbutt, run because the next thing is a full-scale attack. What
0: does a headbutt feel like? I mean, is a tiny bee headbutting you? It's like, eee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like mm.
1: they're like feeling really tough, <laughs> like yeah. trying to
0: scoot you along.
1: I would just say if you ever see a bee coming at you and like runs into you, and you're like, "Why? What's wrong with that bee?" Just start running. Don't how do think you, about it. Just how do you run. know which way to run? Uh, just away. <laughs> what if it what? just run away? <laughs> So, and it says, don't hesitate. Don't fight them. All you're going to do is give them time to get hundreds and thousands more. Just get out. Right. Get out of there. Are you writing this down? <sighs> Write it down in all your notebooks I'm definitely you writing writing stack it right. up. Yeah. Okay. Got it. If there's no attack yet, this is so interesting. And I didn't put this part in, but he does talk about it. Hold mm-hmm. your breath. Because bees' primary sense is smell, according to Dr. Schmidt. Oh. They navigate the world through odor. So holding your breath won't exactly like help when there's like they're already swarming your face, Mm -hmm. but it might give you some time to get away before, you know, more while they're still kind of starting to come to you or hovering around you. If you take that away, that smell, the Mm -hmm. carbon, it's not like they don't like your breath, like we have bad breath. It's it's the carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. that gets them like stirred up. So once you take away that, like you hold your breath, it's like they're blind. He said it's almost like you've put on an invisibility cloak, like you're invisible to them. Perfect. Once you hold your breath. Just remember, just run and hold your breath. Easy. Easy easy. (laughs) peasy. Perfect. You don't need to breathe when you're running. It's It's fine. You know, I barely do anyway. And cover your face. <laughs> don't <laughs> breathe. Run and cover your head. Oh, my God. Perfect. Another thing, don't flail your arms and don't swat at them. That's an immediate mm-hmm. response is to like if there's a bee around, to brush it off or like shoo it away. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately to the bee, that doesn't signal like go away. It signals I'm a huge angry predator and I'm coming to attack you right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it ever. Lace your hands together and just... Be still. Hold your breath. And run run like that, like a penguin <laughs> with your arms like on your side, holding your breath.
0: And also your shirt. Your shirt over. over.
1: Your head. So it's just like... Did you just say, be still? Yes, I did, Megan. <laughs> as a matter of fact. When the bees feel threatened... Their natural response is to rise up together and defend the queen. Defend the queen. It's very like. For the queen. It's very like. <laughs> yeah. Crown of thorn. What is it called? Are, are you... me? Crown of Thorns. What's the show? Rain? I don't know. What is the oh show? Oh my God. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Just so you guys know it's late.
0: Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah. Crown of thorn. Crown of <laughs> Thorns. That's a little more religious.
1: And so it doesn't help. If you kill a bee that's attacking you because that killed bee will get off, give off an alarm scent that will just get everybody all jazzed up and they're going to come out and like
0: that, like revenge. Then it's like revenge.
1: Then they turn into murder hornets. Not really. And then it says, "Forget what you ever heard about the dangers of pulling the stinger out. Just get it out. Oh, get I never heard the of any... stinger out, which is I never it... heard not to do it. But yeah. it says like the conventional wisdom is like to scrape it right with something flat, like a card or like butternut, you know, like and something it'll that catch, like and... you don't want to." Like, don't try to pull it with your fingers because it'll force the venom into your skin. But he says, Schmidt, who knows about stings? He said it's a myth. Oh. And a dangerous one at that because you could lose valuable seconds looking for something flat to scrape it with. He's like, when you get stung, you don't have time to like mess around trying to find like, oh, I need to get a credit card out or my tweezers. (laughs) Like, who has tweezers? He's like, just pinch it, pull it out, rub it out, whatever, it doesn't matter. Just get it out as fast as possible Mm -hmm. because the longer it's in there, the more venom enters your body. But I'm sure if you're getting like stung by thousands. You're like, hold on, bees. <laughs> Excuse me. I didn't take this, this But I mean if you're allergic, yeah. that's the that's you gotta get that shit out of there. That's crazy. And then get your epipen.
0: I think we talked about that there should be people who have like crazy allergies like that should just get EpiPens like inserted someplace in their body. So you just push a button. You just push a button. Yeah. And you're good to go. Yeah.
1: And he also said that not all honeybees are dying out. There's dangerous ones. So just make sure you keep like know an exterminator that you have a number and you can call them to come mm-hmm. help you. This was somewhere else and it talks about Africanized bees and they are more aggressive, but not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can just be regular bees. If you're close to
0: a university or something, you right. can always call an um, entomologist and have them come and look at it.
1: What Schmidt says is they're like the Africanized honeybees are more like a kid on steroids. (laughs) They they swarm in larger numbers, attack with like very slight, like a lawnmower, like vibrations or any small thing could set them off. They look slightly different, but you can't tell them apart. So the only discernible difference is their behavior. Mm -hmm. So by the time you figure that out, it's too late. He's like, it's like if you see two people on the street, one might be a mugger and the other might be a saint, but they don't look different. But anyway, here's some good news for the future. Yay! Africanized bees today are not the same bee from Kerr's day in ni- the 1950s. It's no longer genetically identical to its origin, like 50, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. Some U.S. beekeepers prefer honeybees with an Africanized gene strand because they're shown to be less susceptible to diseases. And they've also seen that the U.S. Africanized bees seem less hostile than even 10 years ago. Oh, So it seems like as they're kind of like breeding with the western honeybees or european Mm -hmm. honeybees that they're getting like more chill chilling out to give an example they said 95 percent of all bee removals this is from the atkins bee removal there's a website i have the link and he really goes into it Mm -hmm. a lot of really good information in there and he even talks about current i like i liked it a lot i got a lot of good information from his site he performed some removals in 2009 near the border of mexico and all he was wearing was a ball cap and gloves Oh. And he was removing the Africanized, supposedly, bees. And it was all good. Um, He said it's not always the case, but dealing with thousands of these bee colonies per year, bee removals come across less and less like feral, aggressive bees Mm -hmm. than in years past. Right. So that's good news. That is good news. So they're kind of making the honeybee more resilient or robust, but they're kind of chilling a little. Of course, anybody who's been attacked by these swarms wouldn't agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you something. That I think you'll appreciate. Every year, there is a bee beard competition at the Clovermead Beads and Honey in Ontario, Canada. And contestants participate by who can get the best bee beard. And the object is to get as many bees on your body as possible. So contenders, like people, they weigh them before and after they're covered with bees and the heaviest one wins. And I have a picture of a guy. (laughs) But all he has it is like a beard. And so the way they do it is they get a queen and they like put it in a little thing and tie it around their neck. Oh my God. And so then the, the bees just like go straight to them and they don't sting them because the, they're just going to the queen.
0: We need to go there. Can
1: you please look at the bee beard competition and just see all the pictures? It's insane. I put one up there. The second entry under that bee
0: beard gone wrong.
1: <laughs> oh God.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Hey
1: Megan. What's up Jen. Let's talk about straws. These handy dandy little suckers are now part of our everyday life. They mm-hmm. come with our drinks everywhere we go. You know how it is. You mm-hmm. go to restaurants, mm-hmm. they just like throw them at you. Use it one time and then we mm-hmm. just throw them in the trash. I think most folks out there just don't really think about it anymore.
0: But did you know, Jen, if you lined straws up end to end, the plastic straws used in the U.S. in one day would wrap around the earth two and a half times. That's 500 million straws per day and just in the United States.
1: Well, we've all seen the turtle rescue video, Mm. haven't we? I've seen it. I work with turtles, and I saw that straw jammed right up its nose. I really thought that's just some bad luck, so I looked it up some more, and the real issue for marine life and wildlife in general is that plastic straws break down into smaller pieces known as microplastics. Bad news, because animals just gulp it down, and then they get it all jammed up in their system, and they can't survive.
0: Some estimates suggest that at least 100 million marine mammals, like whales, dolphins, often seals and sea lions are killed each year from plastic pollution. Sadly, sea turtles and seabirds are most likely to be affected by the plastic waste.
1: Since straws are single-use, lightweight, and made from polypropylene, they are not easily recycled and degrade slowly. So why don't they recycle?
0: Well, Jen, most plastic straws are too lightweight to make it through the mechanical recycling sorter. They drop through the sorting screens and mix with other materials and are too small to separate, contaminating recycling loads or getting disposed of as garbage.
1: All right, so now we know all the bad stuff, so here it is, and this is how you... You can make a difference.
0: Go reusable with Steel My Straws. Steel My Straws makes adorable reusable straws made of high grade rounded stainless steel that lasts you a lifetime and helps you commit to a zero-waste lifestyle. Better yet, a percentage of the proceeds from every sale is donated to ocean conservation initiatives.
1: Steel My Straws has everything from stainless steel straws to foldable silicone straws to bamboo straws to cutlery in all cool colors and styles. They even have cute little stainless steel bendy straws which i didn't even know that was possible
0: take your steal my straws with you everywhere you go so you can be super cool and tell the server um i brought my own straw and just saved a sea turtle thank you to order simply go to our sponsor page at you're gonna die out there.com and click the link enter the coupon code yigdot y-g-d-o-t to receive 10 percent off your order
1: awesome you're on your way to making a difference nature nerds and you've made us so proud here's some ways you can save bees just at your house you can choose native plants so you want to pick ones that like blossom but go native try to get plants that bloom at different times of the year so you constantly have like flowering plants it says save the queen like newly emerging bumblebee queens need spring blooming flowers Mm -hmm. so think about that when you're planting i mean these are people who are really good with plants which is not necessarily me it says that new queens are born in the fall. After breeding, they find a place to hibernate in the winter. So having those like spring blooms uh-uh. is important. Plant milkweed. They like milkweed. They also want like lavender and rosemary. It says not to put so much mulch on the ground that they yeah. actually need some bare ground. So there's those species of those solitary bees. Right. And 70% of them dig a nest in the ground to raise their young. And they can't do it if there's like so much mulch on the ground. Offer them a place to go. So you can put in like a bee block or bee hotel. I've seen
0: those before. They're super cute.
1: Yeah. It offers some habitat for a lot of the bee species. Also, you can make a border. This is what I was mentioning earlier, that if you're growing like fruits and vegetables and stuff, you can mm. border it with native flowers. So it'll improve the pollination of your what you're growing. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It also says, you know, go easy on those chemicals. Figure out what you're using and... There's so much information out about bees and pollinators that you can kind of see what you can and can't use. Yeah. The best thing is just to maintain healthy soil. Get involved in organizations like the one I'm about to mention. Excellent. Which is the beeconservancy.org. That's cool. They were formerly the Honey Bee Conservancy. It's a nonprofit organization. It was established in 2009 in response to the bee crisis. Let me just say, I've been talking for like two hours about bees. (laughs) there's so much more information and I realize a lot of you, especially if you know a lot about bees, you're probably like, well, you didn't talk about this or that. There's a lot. There's so much. Mm -hmm. Like to squeeze it all in. Why
0: didn't you give us all the information, Jen? I'm sorry. I mean, honestly. But
1: so one thing about the pollinator crisis is that's the CCD I was talking about. Mm -hmm. It's actually the numbers have improved. So it seems like something is working. Things are getting slightly better. And maybe it's all the effort from people.
0: I feel like there's been a lot of conversation around we need to work on the bees, the, the plight of the bees, and that a lot of people are getting really into beekeeping.
1: I know that here on Guam, they have like a group Group of mm-hmm. beekeepers and you can they can help you figure out how to get whatever box or whatever you need to get yeah. bit so you can do it in your yard a little smoke can i just cannot add one more thing to my Jen, list why, of things to do not? or else we need to stop podcasting <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys it, this is our
0: last episode jen's got to get some bees <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm sorry i'm out
0: it's just me <laughs>
1: you just like talk, i'm like you like hey, everyone <sighs> just megan tell a story <sighs> gonna be amazing so i would just everyone be falling asleep (laughs) it would be great megan that's all i have for this for now i hope everybody at least learned a little something if anything it just piqued your interest you go look it up and check out more about pieces of this story Mm -hmm. so megan
0: yes yes jen
1: this is a very particular episode on bees bees and how you would I kind of went through like the do's and don'ts of mm-hmm. you know how to avoid getting attacked what to do if you get attacked so I feel like I've given you a lot of things for your emergency preparedness kit you have but what would you put in your kit to uh to either protect yourself from a bee swarm or avoid you really changed my mind on Africanized honeybees
0: and it's great that they're becoming less ferocious is that the word? <laughs> Aggressive. Aggressive.
1: (laughs) I like ferocious. (laughs) Ferocious. I feel like you need your skates at all times. All times. Just always. You need your skates and probably some sort of like helmet with like the shield, the face shield that comes down. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, those are really great. You would want it so that it closed all the way because you don't want to have any space for the bees to get up in. Yeah. So like I, definitely a pair of like really nice speed skates.
1: When you're hiking, perfect. Because they're not heavy at all.
0: Well, I mean, there are certain skates that are not very heavy. I'm going to just, I mean, we're obviously not sponsored by these people, but Bont skates are very light.
1: But how could you skate out of like a hiking trail? I
0: mean, you couldn't. It would be really difficult.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just made your situation way worse. Just a lot of falling. I think you just need to start jogging. Oh, God. Maybe
0: an oxygen tank then? <laughs> <laughs> uh some meth so that I can Want a jock <laughs> or like a specialized balaclava? Do you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that a ski dessert? mask? Oh, no, that's baklava. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> a, balac- a balaclava. Oh, that's isn't that what English people call it? The it's a ski mask. Oh, I think that's probably maybe that's the best thing just a, a, pre- ski- a preventative <laughs> ski, ski mask <laughs> <laughs> so that you don't, you know, your face is already covered. It's all I good. wonder
1: if it helps with wearing masks.
0: I was wondering that same thing when you were talking about like because you're you're exhaling into you know there's less co2 coming out in the general vicinity but in guam where you're sweating and when your mask is wet it doesn't work as well yeah
1: and who wants to wear a mask when they're hiking i mean i saw a dude riding his bike by himself wearing a mask it's
0: like cdc guidelines from 2020 april come on you're fine you're outside just that's so last year (laughs)
1: <laughs> no i i kind of like your bakalava balaclava balaclava
0: yeah i, like I hope it. i'm saying that right i bet australians I, i'm sure there are people why don't who are you say like, ski mask well because i i like that word balaclava
1: boy you got a panty on your head <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you just wear That's pantyhose not, <laughs> <laughs> not bad. raising arizona pantyhose balaclava we need to bring Raising Arizona in as much as possible. God, that movie is so great. I knew i, think I need to watch that again. <laughs> but anyway, you're going to have to really edit this whole section. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of We're options like all over here. the place. There's so many options.
0: I think, though, the best option that we've come up with so far is the pantyhose style balaclava <laughs> a la Raising Arizona. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. so too.
1: And a kick-ass pair of running shoes. Yeah. You
0: know, I did try to run once... <laughs> <laughs> not, not not with you that one time no that, that was not was running just and you were like my heart rate's not even up what the hell's wrong with you But i was like we gotta stop um <laughs> i did try to run once i bought those vibram finger toe shoes you know, oh i'm like where are we going it's right like now it's like those it's like the shoes that look like gloves i and just, it was like oh it's so good for your feet cause everybody's it's natural so Yeah, so I was like, okay, let me try this business. Maybe it's going to help me be a better runner. Like, maybe that's what it is. (laughs) A better runner or or a runner? runner, Just a runner. (laughs) A yager. A person able to move their body quickly across the ground. So I was like, yeah, maybe that's what it is. All this time I've been wearing these shoes that don't work. And I bought them. They were very expensive for the time period of my life. And (laughs) I was like, just walking in them was awful.
1: I never even tried. I was like, nope, nope. I something about things being all up in between my toes that yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm not interested.
0: It was uncomfortable, and you can't wear socks with them, so your feet sweat. and And I was like, what's the point of this? I'm still feeling rocks on the ground, right? Like it didn't make it any easier.
1: I hope that everybody enjoyed that. And I might be putting out more little tidbits of information because I feel like I just couldn't get everything in there. I was just like... You were
0: just scraping
1: the surface. Oh, oh. with the credit card to get this thing around. I got you. But hey, we have a Patreon shout out. So we'd like to thank Tammy, Tammy. for becoming a patron. Oh, thank you very much, Tammy. We are so thankful and we love you so much. We do. We do. From the bottom of our hearts. There's two episodes that are only the full episodes. Yeah. That are only for the patrons. They're, they're just sitting there waiting for you. They're fully available. So when you run out of content, you're just... Listen to everything. Just consider it if you want to get some extra bonus stuff. Plus, you get discounts on merch. Yeah. And and eventually, I'm going to post those clips. You don't want to miss out on that, folks. Oh, yeah. That is some... It's going to happen prime listening right there oh and
0: i should mention that i'm going to rework a couple of our first episodes we were having some sound quality issues well because we don't know what we're doing yeah i kind of understand audacity better you're way awesome at the editing now way more efficient uh yeah so until then
1: don't die out there Bye. bye bye